From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Rye, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red Platoon and the Cat. Oh no! No, we're Tedless. We're Tedless. Yeah, where is he? Oh, he's here he is. Again. There he is. He's just oh, arrived. He's just, just arrived. Oh, he's just walked in, has he? Yeah, just hey? walking through the door. What carpets? Bonjour, he's, bonjour. He's, he's walking through the. Ah. He's, he's walking through the ether door. That's what he's doing. After describing his laptop <laughs> as a Richard. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. The third, of course. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Bye, yeah. boys. Uh, we all good? It, yeah, it, we are all good. I thought it was a bit all of Norman good, yeah. Collier. Yeah. We're cutting in and out. Yeah, I thought it was a bit yeah. of Norman Collier. Yeah. Cutting in and out here lots on my of, end. There's lots, lots of cutting out on my end as well. There is gremlins in yeah. the system. Yeah. Oh, no. Getting the, getting the New Year's gremlins out, definitely, because we're cutting out. But anyway, we're all good. We're here. Thursday, 28th. We are. Last Thursday of 2023. Can you believe it, lads? <laughs> the year is coming. Well, it's not happening. Fast and furious. <laughs> Don't tell me. It's I've, true. It's true. Don't tell me we've 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 got to play a song and and kick the computer out the window. I think that's what well, you're going to need. I mean, keep cutting out for me. Oh, what on earth's going on here? Yeah. Tell you what, fellas, we'll do this all over again. Oh. We'll do it all over again. Please <laughs> <laughs> take that. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for the show. It was a wonderful show. And Daz is next. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've just been in a lift myself this morning, but nothing like that happened. <laughs> Fellas, are you back? Are you back? We are. Fantastic. Oh, look at that. Do you know, it took all that time. I bought a brand new um, iMac from Apple, right? This is no word of a lie. Since day one, the so thing's the, been so a... Com- the computers it, are available. It's, it's, no, no, I'm, I want to be specific on this one. Day one, it was a dog. <laughs> it's been back into the Apple workshop four times since it ran out of, you know, really? be, prior to it running out of warranty. Four times they send it back and they've given four different excuses and saying there's nothing wrong with it. I the moment you put anything thing. on it, anything whatsoever outside of the ordinary operating software, it grinds to a halt. It's taken that long. It's taken that long. It's taken the longest record in our music library, which is Aerosmith loving an elevator. It's taken that long to simply switch off and switch back on again. Apple, your iMac is a complete lemon and a dog. I'd just like to say that. If you want to come at me, come after me. I don't care. I'm in the mood. (laughs) I had loving an elevator once. It was wrong on many levels. I thought the Christmas jokes were done, Ted. Yeah, I actually, my goodness. No. I actually thought he was going to come out with uh, my performance level. Like, no, it kept going up and down. Oh, the fun my we could goodness have. Me. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What have we started? Yes. Oh, well, oh, we're good morning, back. Boys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning everyone. Good morning, you, everyone. You know, should we, should we do the real full start again? Let's yeah. do it. Start it off. I think we should. Okay, I think we'll start off by saying that was the news. <laughs> <laughs> From Yarm to Yibbe. Strength. Harrington to Horsley Hill. Swarwell to Silverlake. Yay. The Northeast yeah. Footy Breakfast. 
with Roy, Steve and Ted. Right across the northeast, the red platoon and the cat. Oh, good morning, fellas. Hey, good, good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Oh, as, as if we hadn't spoken already. God, it's This uh, isn't it's good for Steve, you know. Steve's already confused and doesn't know where he is. I am, I am. <laughs> I do sound like Sean Dice though, which just, is a good start. Yeah, we just went with Frank Vincent at 7 o'clock and we've just started. Yeah. <laughs> good old technical issues, eh? Good old technical issues on your Thursday. Good morning across the Northeast. Welcome on in. Happy Thursday. Last Thursday of 2023. As this year comes to a very, very quick close. Can you believe it, lads? 23 is almost at an end. What a year it's been. For all three clubs, That's all awesome. three lads on this breakfast show. Uh, the formation year of the Northeast Brecky Show as well. Will it be remembered? Indeed. Established 2023. It be. Yep. So oh, it'll no. be, uh, it's incredible. No, you've just you've learned to spell Bolognese. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> it's got a G. Um, you've just painted a horrible picture in my mind, which is like, you know, the four of us sitting here with big, long, white yes. beards like old father times. Yes. In, in in decades going, we're still doing the breakfast show. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, we didn't even have IMAX. They yeah. used to run on computers. That'd be us, I reckon. What, 10 years? What, what 10 years? 15 years? <laughs> I don't know. That was the old man voice. You know what I was doing as well? I was, was stroking it? my fake beard. Like the long, like I had a white long beard and I was stroking it like down in my chest as well. Because that's how I picture me as an old man, like really long beard as well. You do not have literally why. got a white beard, don't you? I, I've, I've seen you. I've seen your white beard and your your white. Uh... Anyway, let's get on with the show. Uh, it's the Northeast Cricket <laughs> Show. Good morning for your Thursday. Uh, I hope you're all fantastic, safe and well. We've got football to talk about today. We've got a lot of other things. We've got results in the Premier League overnight. We've got the Man City Everton game, which was a little bit of a wild Ooh. ending. Uh, we saw both Premier League managers have a crack at the refereeing and PGMOL in Sean Dyche's traditional form. That's how he spoke. That's my best Dyche inspection. Uh, We've got uh, (laughs) Sir Ratcliffe takeover of 25% uh, of Manchester United. It's all done. So Jim Ratcliffe has now officially owning 25% of Man United. Going to get the lads uh, to talk about that. He's asked that Man United fans have patience to bring in success. Kieran Trippier has told the media that he says a drop in standards is contributing to Newcastle's poor Premier League form, which obviously continued... To a home defeat by Nottingham Forest. So he's saying standards. We're going to ask Steve all about that. James Rodriguez. You like that? How's that for pronunciation? Has revealed that in his time at Real Madrid, they were forced by contract to say that the best footballer was Cristiano Ronaldo. How pathetic. How crazy is that? Hey, how crazy is that? Buy contracts. We're going to talk about that. Get the thoughts, lads, on that. And why uh, me on the radio didn't get uh, Ted and Steve to say that I'm the best radio player uh, uh, on the team as well. I'm going to get that. That's, try to put that yeah, in the contract. Because it's already written in your contract. Any plaudits must you. come to me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> radio Dad, <laughs> a.k.a. Cristiano. And Fulham keeper uh, Leno. Uh, has been cited for pushing the ball boy on the weekend after the boy didn't give the ball back quick enough, lads. So I want to talk to you about ball boys. Time and then, uh, to the VAR. And, seen, and then yeah, burn it at the stick. we a few things. Yep. <laughs> AFCON teams are starting getting announced. 22 players from the championship have been pre-selected. Uh, by the January 3rd will be the cutoff for that. Uh, 22 players from the championship. 
The question I want to ask about the lads, though, is we're seeing Premier League next month having a break. Uh, they have their winter break. Why the championship doesn't have that? I want to talk about how the championship is like working class men and uh, the Premier League is like those fancy boys up in suits that don't, you know, don't want to work at all. Like Dave. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. You should see me. I'm far from corporate dress this morning. And we're going to wrap up. I'm dressed for radio. Yes, no pants on. I like it. I like it. And we're going to wrap up the lads. 2023. Uh, we're going to ask if uh, how their 2023 was for each of their clubs, what they've liked, what their dislikes are as we bring this year to a big close. That's your Thursday show ahead of you for the next two hours. I am Rye. It is my headlines today, so I'm going to talk over top of everyone. Non-stop talking from Rye. Uh, and we're going to give Steve a little Same bit, of a, day, bit of a sleep in. That means, that means hey, correct. Well done, well done. by the way. Completely away from football to Luke Littler. 16 years I of know. age and he's in the final 16 in the darts lab. I know, brilliant yeah. performance. Done very well. Done very well, Unbelievable. Actually incredible. No, love it, love it. And we, we're going to talk that. We're going to talk darts as well. We've got a, we've got a cheeky dart game for us uh, coming up as well. So just uh, see what the lads are like at darts, even though we're uh, on different planets uh, or different countries, I should say. Planets. Uh, not planets. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> well, Sometimes no, you were right planets. the first time. Who was, out on the drink, who was out on the drink yesterday? Was it Ray? Or you deliberately pretending you were out on the drink to yeah. confuse me? Yeah. I could be. I could be. Maybe I was there with you, Steve. Maybe I flew in. You didn't even know I was there. I was the one buying the, the, bottles, the bottles, mate. The funniest with thing the is we can't, get, we can't get proper internet between Middlesbrough and Newcastle, never mind Earth and Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick it off, lads, uh, with some club headlines, shall we? Let's go around to the three clubs Indeed. and get what's making news for each club this Thursday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Sunderland have learned who will referee the weird time derby on FA Cup third round day. The FA have leaned towards Craig Pawson for the big day, with the South Yorkshire Whistler having an array of big derbies under his belt, including Liverpool versus Everton and Tottenham versus Arsenal. Pawson has previously sent off Jamal Lascelles, Isaac Hayden, and Jeff Kendrick during various games in charge of Newcastle in the Premier League, so hopefully he continues that form. But his appointment for the clash at Sunderland sees the FA opt for one of their most experienced men in the middle. Mr Pawson is a Sheffield United fan, so hopefully there's an unconscious leaning towards the Red and Whites on January the 6th. Speaking of that derby, Sunderland defender Dan Ballard is walking a disciplinary tightrope ahead of the Black Cats' upcoming games against Rotherham and Preston North End. Ballard is currently sitting on eight yellow cards after receiving a caution against Bristol City last week. And were he to pick up a ninth and 10th yellow card in the coming two games, the ex-Arsenal defender will be forced to serve a two-match ban. That had prompted questions from Sunderland fans, with many wondering if that would mean Ballard would miss the clash against Newcastle uh, in the FA Cup. However, the FA rules confirm that uh, cautions are competition-specific, as are the suspensions which arise from accumulating them. That means that Ballard will be suspension-free for the Newcastle game, uh, regardless of any yellows picked up between now and the third round clash on January the 6th. And finally, former Black Cats wide man and all-round Sunderland legend Julio Arca has left his role as South Shields manager. The Mariners were defeated by Blythe Spartans on Boxing Day, a result that leaves them eighth in the Vanarama National North table, having lost four games on the spin. A statement from the club read, South Shields FC can confirm the decision has been made to part company with first team manager Julio Arca and his assistant Tommy Miller. 
The club expresses their sincere gratitude to Julio and Tommy for their efforts during their time at First Cloud Arena and wish them both well for their future endeavours. Sunderland fans, of course, will be asking the same question. Was Tommy Miller there? I didn't see him. That's a little in-joke for the Sunderland fans of a certain age. That's your headlines this morning. Smoggies <laughs> and Proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans, as I choke on my little drink here. Sean uh, Dice for the headlines. Sean Dice here to read your headlines. Uh, Michael Carrick doesn't expect to have any of his injured players back for this Friday's game at Huddersfield Town, meaning Middlesbrough will be without again Senny Dieng, Hayden Hackney and Emmanuel Latte-Lath. While Latte-Lath again is set to miss out at the John Smith Stadium, Carrick must decide whether Josh Coburn is ready to start after two appearances from the bench against West Brom and Rotherham. Borough have now played without a recognised striker in their last two games, but Michael Carrick has rejected claims that the lack of cutting edge up front was the concern after the Boxing Day defeat against the league's bottom club. Mark Schwartz has also given a rare interview talking about Middlesbrough and how he's hoping that they can enjoy a strong second half to the season and push for playoffs after disappointingly inconsistent first half. After reaching the playoffs last term thanks to an excellent run under the new head coach Michael Carrick, Borough then struggled for more this term after a huge squad rebuild was required in the summer. While that overhaul led to a promising future-proofing of the squad, it left our squad young and therefore very inconsistent so far this term. Speaking to live score, Borough legend Mark Schwarzer and Aussie Goat Hope said hope he's hoping Borough can get back on a positive run in the new year and push for another top six finish. Mark said their league form has been really, really inconsistent and that's a disappointment for them. I think they started off really poor and I thought, geez, if this continues, Michael Carrick might be under pressure. But then he turned it around and they went on a really good run. But now of late, they've dropped off again. The championship is so difficult. When you look at the clubs that are in there, you look at the quality of the teams around them, it shows you how hard it is to get out of there. We've also been seeing Middlesbrough in the championship for some time, and the longer you're in there, the more difficult it is to get out of it. Borough returned to action this weekend against Huddersfield Town, hoping that some of the injuries might come back, but it's not looking good, Borough fans. It might be the same squad that did see that loss, Rotherham. That's your morning headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mag's News. Good morning, Newcastle fans. Kieran Trippier admits that his own high standards have dropped during Newcastle United's winter slump. The England fullback admits that United's performances have been nowhere near the level that was set earlier in the campaign, as Nottingham Forest helped themselves to three points at St James's Park. Trippier insisted Newcastle are capable of bouncing back. Speaking to Amazon Prime, he said, We've been playing two games a week week after week and some players aren't used to that and my own standards have dropped. I'm old enough to speak about myself and my standards have been nowhere near. I've faced enough setbacks in my career to know I can bounce back. John Carver's made it clear that the door remains open for Elliot Anderson with Scotland ahead of next summer's European Championships in Germany. Although the Scotland coaches indicated Anderson must focus on getting back to fitness with Newcastle United first. Anderson won a call-up with Steve Clark's side last autumn, but pulled out through an injury amid comments from England Chief Gareth Southgate that he was also under consideration with the Three Lions. And as we've already heard from Ted, Newcastle, United and Sunderland have learned who will referee the Weir Tyne derby on FA Cup third round day. Craig Pawson has got the job and uh, he does have a little bit of history in sending Newcastle United players off, including Jamal Lascelles, Isaac Hayden and Jeff Hendrick. Uh, Pawson will be assisted by his linesmen Mark Perry and Stephen Meredith uh, with Andrew Maidley, the fourth official, but there will be no VAR in operation 
despite the fact the Stadium Elite is more than capable of facilitating the technology. Uh, only Premier League grounds uh, will have the option of having VAR in an FA Cup competition. But that is your Newcastle United headlines on Thursday morning. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North well, we're drawing sure. ever nearer to that Newcastle Sunderland game, aren't we? Mm. We're talking now. We got the yeah. ref locked in. Hey, me and with the popcorn, Dave and I sitting back. Even yep. Daz there as well, watching you two crack it out. Steve, I'll start with you. Do you reckon that obviously mm. there is no VAR now confirmed for that game? Do you think that's going to make much of a difference? Are you worried that there's going to be a lack of technology there if there is any sort of uh, scary decisions or anything like that that need to be made? I don't like the fact that you know some games have got it and some games don't. I think it's. I, I don't really think that's a level playing field for any competition. You know, it's it, it is it is stupid, really. If you know, if if there's a cup competition with teams from lower divisions, then you shouldn't have any VAR whatsoever. VAR is Premier League and Premier League only at the moment, so that's the way it should be. I don't agree with having VAR in certain games and not in certain games. Mm-hmm. It, it's. I think it's daft. Um, but with regards to the Newcastle game um, and against Sunderland, I just, you know, you just got to take it, haven't you? You know, that's that's the rules. That's that's what that's what's laid out, and you know, it's um, you know, it, it's it's a good old-fashioned derby. It's you know, form goes out the window, and I think, especially for Newcastle at the moment, that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, we're, we're out of the frying pan into the fire now, aren't we? We're going to Liverpool. Um, you know, and and you know, at the moment, you know, the, the, there's doom and gloom on Newcastle's timeline. Um, you know, I was out with um, you know the lads yesterday. We were discussing it, but we've been through worse than this. You know, there's been so many you know horrendous runs, bad you know bad results over over the time that we've supported the club between us. Um, and you know there the will be again, but you know we'll, we'll bounce back. Newcastle's got to Newcastle's got to turn the corner eventually. You don't suddenly become a bad team overnight. Um, we're in, we're in a blip, we're in a bad run, and we've got to you know we've got to find a way out of it. So you know will it be against Liverpool? Um, will it be against Sunderland? Who knows? Um, we've just got to hope that Eddie Howe uses the the time that they've got off between games at the moment wisely, finds out what the problems are, gets them sorted out, and um, you know we'll we'll see this team turn. Like Kieran Trippier said in my headlines, you know, you know he's been through bad times, you know, as, as a player in the past, and he's overcome them. So you know we'll we'll get there. You know, somebody somewhere will 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 be the team where where it turns. Um, and the the FA Cup is. You know, it's a big focus for Newcastle now. You know, it's um, it's a trophy that can win, and it's it's you know, it's a trophy that can compete for. So, you know, they've got to they've got to be focused on that game. Um, it, it, the the fact that there's no VAR though, it, it it doesn't it doesn't worry me at all. Ted, over to you. Obviously, that game is coming up very thick and fast for you mm-hmm. uh, in a quick run of uh, fixtures. Obviously, the Premier League boys get a bit of a break during January, but obviously, us in the Championship, us working class men, as I'm going to call us now. Uh, don't have any time off. Obviously, we are used to not having VAR. Are you thinking that there might be any certain decisions at the stadium of light come that FA Cup fixture? Are you worried that there might not, there isn't a VAR coming up against Newcastle and the, I guess, the, the nature of it being such a fierce derby? I mean, it, it doesn't worry me that there's no VAR because we're used to that anyway. Um, if, if, if anything, it's sort of Newcastle are kind of going to be out of their comfort zone and, and not having that to kind of uh, to, to back up any any decisions, I guess. But just going back to what Steve said then, I didn't realise this was actually the rule, that it's only for Premier League grounds. Now, I'm I'm sorry, but have you been to Bramall Lane? 
It's an absolute mm. dog. An absolute dog of a stadium. Luton Town, Kenilworth Road, honestly, I've, I've been in bigger kitchens, mate. And, and like, to, for them to have VAR, they're appalling, tiny little clubs, whereas Sunderland can actually house that absolutely no problem whatsoever. It's an absolute joke, and yet again, more proof that the FA haven't got an absolute scooby to what they're doing with this, and PGMOL as well. I mean, the, the whole thing is now becoming farcical. The, the clubs mm. like Luton and Sheffield United can have it for their FA Cup games, but we can it. What an absolute joke. Absolute mm. joke, it really is. But, look, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's one thing. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll yet again talk about VAR shortly. I'm yeah. very sure of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just becoming farcical. But, listen, the, the, the game is coming up. Um, you know, we, we've got our own inconsistencies to iron out as well. Um, yep. The game's the game's almost coming at the wrong time for both clubs. <laughs> There's yeah, never a right time for a derby. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, Steve? It's like we, we've got those injuries. We've got a new manager in where the fans are very much undecided about him still. Um, and it's kind of like it's it's very tense, and we're kind of thinking, yeah. oh, maybe if it had been a fourth or fifth round clash, it would have been all right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you, you can't pick and choose these things, can no, you? So no, I think both both sets of fans will probably, you know, Newcastle fans, the honest ones at least, Newcastle fans will be going into this going, oh God, really? Do we have to do it now? And Sunderland fans are doing the same. Look. We're, we're yeah. concerned that the Mags do turn around their form and they give us an absolute kicking, which they are more than capable of doing. They beat Sheffield United 8-0. I mean, Sheffield United are an half club, but, you know, you, you, you get the idea. <laughs> Hello, yeah, if Craig Porson's listening, I absolutely love Sheffield United. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're a lovely man. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it, it's a weird one. I mean, getting back to the, the, the break in the championship, my feelings on this, mate, and I think I've said this before, is... I don't think even the Premier League should take a break for international football. The mm. each, each individual Premier League team has an academy, has reserve teams, get on with it. Keep playing. Ooh, it, I that like way, it. I like it. That way you actually improve the standard of your squad by giving, giving yeah. fringe players actual game time. Don't stop yeah. for international football because at the end of the day, yeah. who's interested in it really, apart from the big yeah. tournaments? Crack on, play the games. One of the things I'm sort of starting to look at now is, I guess, when it comes to us, you know, with Middlesbrough now in the Carabao Cup semi-final against Chelsea, we've got Aston Villa in the FA Cup as well, maybe for Sunderland against Newcastle as well. It comes at a time where the Premier League boys get a bit of a rest, uh, where we're coming out of it thick and thin of still fixtures, you know, coming through the wazoo, especially in the championship. So it seems a bit unfair that Middlesbrough have to play, you know, seven to eight games in the middle of January uh, where Aston Villa, our FA Cup opponents, have only got two or three sort of thing. So it, it just seems to be a bit sort of, you know, wrongly balanced, if you will. Now, I think the championship standard, as we can agree, Ted, over the past couple of years, especially, has gone up a very big notch. We've now Huge. started to see a lot more internationally based players playing in the championship at that level. I mean, Middlesbrough have half of, you know, we've got three, four Australians there now. You know, we've got Seni Dieng playing for Senegal. I know Sunderland have got a few representatives. Most teams in the championship would have two to three players going out for international games, if not in AFCON or Asian Cup coming up as well. So yeah. it seems to be, for me, a question that should be asked is if the Premier League are taking a break, why doesn't the championship at that level? I, I know it's obviously a league below and below above, but um, I still think that obviously we're starting to see the level of championship, the, the likes of the teams, the players that are in there, the money that's being spent 
on some of the players as well that it should be a, a I don't know, this just at least be a conversation uh, to maybe look at getting the, the championship a, a similar break just to give them a, you know, just to, just to even it up, especially when we're coming up against Premier League teams. But it is 7.30am. It's time for your sports headlines. We'll be back. We're going to talk more about Kieran Trippier saying standards uh, have been dropped. We're going to talk more about the games last night. Uh, we're going to talk more about VAR because why not? We all love it. And we'll be back after these sports headlines. Catherine was turned down by two other solicitors before Arthur & Co took on her case. My husband was at work, tripped over, fractured his knee. He developed pulmonary embolism and died. That left me a widow with three young daughters. Devastating. Charles Arthur took my husband's work to court, got them to admit liability. They were very diligent, very caring. Choose the one you know, Arthur & Co. So glad that I went to Arthur's. Have you fancied presenting your own radio show? Well, you could well be presenting this very programme. How do you fancy joining a growing list of fantastic radio presenters? I don't want to hear after four or five games in the manager ever saying we need to restart and reboot. This is early days. <laughs> the cup run. It don't let me. It is. Don't let me. <laughs> the cat is all about Wearside, and at times the Black Cats too. The tune is all about Tyneside, and at times Newcastle United too. The red is all about Teesside, and at times the Borough. Too. So come on, if you're confident you could present this very show, reach out, get in touch. Email any of the three stations, that's hello at thetooneuk.com, hello at thecatuk.com, or hello at theredyuk.com. Hey, what are you doing after breakfast Monday to Friday? Why not join me, Daz, across the northeast for our mid-morning show, full of expert analysis? This Sunderland squad is the youngest squad that the championship has ever seen. Top banter. I've been looking at trains for any minutes, my fans. It's an hour and three minutes. That's all it takes to get yourselves up here and see some real football. And the quiz that is sweeping the nation. Name that theme. How many will you get? He's always on the scene. Fireman Sam. And his engine's bright and clean. Join me, Daz, right here every weekday morning from 9 till 11. Uh, you know, I love this panda because this is what the Red, the Cat and the Toon's all about. The Toon, the Cat, the Red Sport. Teenage sensation Luke Littler's incredible rise continues after he became the youngest player to reach the fourth round of the Darts World Championship. The 16-year-old has taken the Alexandra Palace tournament by storm and wowed an adoring crowd with a sensational performance to destroy Matt Campbell 4-1. He averaged 97.19 through eight 180s and produced 300-plus checkouts, including a majestic 164 in the fifth set. The Scottish Football Association has denied preventing Hibernian manager Nick Montgomery from wearing a microphone as part of Sky Sports' live coverage of Wednesday's Edinburgh Derby. The broadcaster revealed last week that the Easter Road boss was on board with the plans, aimed at enabling fans watching at home to hear the specific coaching and tactics from the sideline for the showdown with City rivals Hearts. However, it emerged just hours before the match that Montgomery wouldn't be mic'd up after all. And in the Premier League, Huang Hee Chan scored twice as Brentford forgot how to defend and Wolves took full advantage with a 4-1 win in West London. Huang took his tally for the season to 11. Together across the northeast. The Timberhead and the Red. Welcome on back to the Northeast Breakers Show. It is Rye here with Steve and Ted for the Northeast Breakers. We bring 2023 to a close. We've got football to talk about. We've got standards at Newcastle not being met. We've got Sunderland. I don't know what is happening in Sunderland, Ted. It seems pretty quiet all on the Western Front there, to be honest with you. That's, I mean, I think I, we need to be. He'll get a win and then everyone's happy, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Real Madrid, we're, we're, we're on a roll now. Real <laughs> <Be> Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, because we're coming off the back of news headlines and we heard in there, Steve's headlines, we heard Kieran Trippier talking about how he feels his standards have dropped uh, and obviously talking about the in- increasing fixtures that Newcastle have had to face this season uh, with Champions League football. We've heard, obviously, the injury list has been quite severe as well. Uh, Steve, obviously, Newcastle, past six, you know, past six losses out of seven games, you've seen yourself drop out of the Champions League, you've seen yourself drop out of the Carabao Cup, uh, Premier League sort of falling a, a little bit. I don't think it's time to panic by any met any you know any reason or anything like that. I think Newcastle's still going to be fine. Obviously, January uh, maybe becomes a bit more important for you now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Alan Shearer. I saw him talking about the you know the you know the situation at Newcastle. He's saying that Newcastle need a goalkeeper. Um, he's saying that we should gamble on getting De Gea in. You know, because yeah, he would cost. You know, a lot of money in wages, but you know there wouldn't be a signing on fee. Um, also, saying that Newcastle need to address the striker, uh, you know, issue. We need, you know, but good luck getting somebody in January was his was his message. So, you know, he's you know he's given his opinion. Um, January is important because you know we, we do need to bring some personnel in. I think to freshen it up to put to put players under pressure. Eddie Howe's, you know, I wouldn't say he's read the riot act, but he's he's clearly not going to be happy with the way things have, you know, th- things have happened over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, he he will be looking at it now. I'm sure with Dan Ashworth and saying we need, you know, we need this, this, and this. Um, it'll alter their summer plans. I'm sure um, players need to come in now. I mean, being without being without Tenali, I still think he's played a major a, a major part in in you know the the season that we've seen. I think Tenali playing in the Champions League would have made a hell of a difference. He got to the you know he got to the semi-finals of the competition last year. Um, I, I I don't think that's helped us at all. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Star signing in the summer can't play for a year. It's it, it, it's obviously going to affect you. But it, it, it's an accumulation of lots of different things. You've mentioned them all: uh, injuries. Um, you know suspensions, and you know being in Europe for the first time, and you know we watched, you know we watched that documentary, um, you know at the start of the season, the Newcastle United documentary that came out, and uh, we heard the chief executive, and we heard Dan Ashworth say that, you know in in one of those, you know fly on the wall moments that, you know going into Europe is going to affect our league positioning the following season, and and it's it's right, you know so. I think I don't think there'll be a knee-jerk reaction from from the owners. I think you know I think Eddie Howe has bought himself some time, you know, with with the way that he's performed in his first couple of years in the job, and I just think that any speculation about you know Jose Marino or whoever it is coming in and replacing Howe, you know, this season I think is is far-fetched. I think that I think Newcastle will find their, their way out of this particular rut. I think they will get out of this particular rut, and I think that they'll they'll get themselves back on the you know on the road to success. And I do feel that they'll have a good end to the season. I think that you know Newcastle will will push on, and you know they'll be there or thereabouts in those European slots. I think that you know looking at the season now, um, you would say the qualification for the Europa League would be a success. You know where you, where you find yourselves, and I think that in itself going into the Europa League next season would would be. You know, it would, it wouldn't be as challenging as being in the Champions League, and you know Newcastle could have, you know, could have a good run in that competition. But it's, 
you know, I, I just I keep saying to people, and you see some people arguing on, on social media <coughs> about things, but just remember where we were, you know, you know, remember yeah. where we were a few years ago, and it, and it, it is important that you know we you know we were struggling, we were constantly in relegation battles, and you know, or, or we were in the championship, you know, trying to get trying to get out of the championship and get promoted. It's you know, it's you know, it, we've come so far in a short space of time, and there needs to be a degree of realism about where we are, um, and and you know, and who we are, because you know we you know we've got you know we've got a bright future ahead of ourselves. We just need to make sure that we you know. We don't turn into Chelsea fans, you know. There's the surrender. You know, the, there's lots of there's lots of you know the, there's lots of like-minded people there, out there like me who you know are realism uh, realists. Sorry, but you know, there's a lot of people out there who've got unrealistic ambitions, you know. And, and Newcastle aren't going to you know dominate the Premier League for the next ten years, you know. Um, they've got to get there first. They've got to get they've got to get and win. You know, got to win a trophy first. And once you win your first one, the rest should become the rest will become easier, but it's we're a long way off from that at the moment, and it's it's a big reality check I think from for for a lot of these supporters who just seem to have arrived, and I think um, you know they, they need to they need to give themselves a little bit of a shake and say look you know we're not going to be dominating world football for a considerable amount of time just because we've got a few quid um, in the bank with our owners we're, we're not going to you know we're not going to be knocking down any houses anytime soon so a bit of realism a bit of a wake up call I think for those people who who got a little bit carried away um, but this season's not over um, a lot a lot is riding on the FA Cup game that's for certain um, but. You know, there's also the Premier League to play for in a European position, and this is probably um, the you know the the it's the biggest Premier League season. Melly, Melly the Manchester United fan, he he said at the start of the season this is probably going to be the most exciting Premier League for for years, and he's he's proved to it's proved to be correct because you know I still think Man City will win it, but you know you've got Man City, you've got Liverpool, you've got Arsenal, you've got Manchester United, mm-hmm. you've got Aston Villa, you know who. You know, I, I certainly continuing to prove me wrong. They're still up there. Yeah. Um, but then you've still got in the chasing pack, Newcastle, uh, Brighton, uh, West Ham. Um, look at the run Wolves are on at the moment. Um, you you could yeah, write yeah. them off getting into a European slot. Even Bournemouth. So, Bournemouth. Yeah, so yeah. Bournemouth as well. I mean, that's uh, you're talking about the top 10 now who are all vying for yeah. European slots. It's incredible. So, M- Melly Barnes was definitely right at the start of the year. This is this this is turning out to be the most exciting Premier League, you know, for for many many seasons. And that's what you want. You want a competitive exactly. league. You don't want you don't want to you don't want a, a league like Scotland where you know, you're literally talking two, possibly three teams who compete every year. You know, you you want it to be the top 10 and and anyone below the top ten is, is is struggling to get out the relegation battle, you know. Um, Everton, yeah, Everton, yeah. Everton have done so well to, to to claw their way out, but you know they're still only a point away from being in the relegation zone. So there's lots, Palace lots are to a play for at the minute as well. Oh, they are. They're in free mm. fall. Lots of there's lots to play for at both ends of the table, and and you know it's it's, it's exciting. That's the way the Premier League should be, and it's why it's the best league in the world. Ted, you were talking you- earlier just about how you think it's a bad time both clubs to face each other. I'm just looking at, obviously, Newcastle fixtures. Now, I, I'm putting the two together. Newcastle have got Liverpool at Anfield this weekend before facing Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. Then they go to have Man... They, they invite Man City then uh, to St. James Park before taking on Aston Villa away. I mean, those four fixtures for me... I mean, Sunderland obviously being championship, but it's still a massive, massive, massive fixture. Two weeks think, off as well. Two weeks off, which will yeah. help. Do you yeah. think that if if... Newcastle go to Liverpool this weekend and lose and then 
somehow BL Madrid get up and over Newcastle that Eddie Howe might lose his job? I, I honestly don't think it will come to that. It certainly won't help his case. Um, you know, I, I was actually going to put this to Steve as well because every ownership of every club must have a, a you know some sort of tipping point. Um, yeah. You know, other NAF TV game shows are available, um, but <laughs> you, you look at you look at the positions right now in the Premier League, and Brighton play Spurs tonight. Brighton are more than capable of of getting a result against Spurs, very much so. All of a sudden, yeah. that's Newcastle down in ninth if, if Brighton get a win. Chelsea are kind of, you know, they're, they're so inconsistent, but they're there or thereabouts. So, I mean, it, Newcastle could feasibly be coming into that derby in the bottom half of the Premier League. And I know it's ifs and ands, you know, and all, and all that sort of thing. But looking at the fixtures, they've got, they've got Liverpool next. If, if other games go against them, they're going into that derby, bottom half of the Premier League, and if they get beaten in the derby, then the owners are kind of going to go, hang on, we're starting 2024, and the bottom half mm. will just being dumped out by the Mackhams. That's exactly what There's I was got asking. There's yeah, the exactly. uh, got to be a point where they start looking at Eddie Howe going, are you sure you're all right? <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't think they'll kick him straight away. But that will certain there will be certainly asking questions of them if if that is the case without a shadow of a doubt they've got to you know they they've got aspirations that are that are you know where they've been this year which is Champions League football I I, I don't think Europa League would suit them um, because mm. those Thursday games and, and a quick turnaround time we've already seen what what it's done to their squad this season now all right they yeah. might not have the same injury concerns but. Mate, getting getting a team ready Thursday and, and, and Saturdays, Sundays, it's yeah, it's not nice. It's they're not kind fixtures in the Europa League. So we'll see. Um but definitely there will be questions asked if, if Newcastle are in that bottom half come the uh, the middle of January. Do you actually think it's it might be a good time to face them though, Ted? I mean, in terms sure. of I mean, you're not facing a team that's, you know, that stayed in the Champions League uh uh top of the Premier League now. You you're you're facing a team that's, you know, Six losses in seven. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any a good time to, to have, you know, the derby. But at, at this current point where Sunderland are now with a new manager um, getting some injuries back and stuff like that, um, you know, I, I think at, if, if at any stage you could pick, now's probably okay. Yeah, the, the, the Germany of the Premier League, you never, ever write them off. It, yeah. it, it's you, you just can't do that. Uh, as much as this pains me to see it, it, all right, yes, they're on a downturn of form right now, and and you know, as a Sunderland fan, that's great. But this is the same team who can put four past Chelsea. This is the same team who can put three past Manchester United in a cup game. You know, they, they can go on the big Palace four nil. They, they stuffed eight past Sheffield United. You know, Sheffield United beat us in the league last season and and looked a very very good side. So you've always got to be wary of the backlash. They're a Premier League side that's played European football, right? So Sunderland yeah, yeah. will not be kind of going into that going, oh, well, the crap now, well, this should be easy. <laughs> you know, it's it's not going to happen like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, their form, great. Long may this form continue past January the 6th. I'll be more than happy with that if that is the case. But I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting a very, very tough game against what is a, a, a top Premier League side. As, and that sticks in my throat, which I'm, I'm going to have to have a sip of coffee now and just choke the bile <laughs> down. 
Well, I can't wait, lads. I honestly can't wait. Obviously, uh, being the, you know, on, on, on the fence, <laughs> just sitting here with a bo- box of popcorn. I'm going to sit back and let it. Uh, I hope that, you know, there's like 18 red cards and it just uh, is one of the best games of the year, I reckon, because I'm up for it, lads. I'm up for it. And it's, it's got nothing to do with me. Speaking of my club, though, the Borough, I do have to apologise. I do have to apologise. It's a formal apology. Ator yes, Karanka, big listener of the show. Yeah. My former manager. Hello, Gaffer. I do apologise. <laughs> yes, On yesterday's show... I said that Borough have not been in the Premier League since Southgate as I was on one of those Rye rants as they're becoming now. Hashtag Rye rant. Uh, And I mistakenly said that Borough haven't been in the Premier League since Southgate era. Obviously, under Aitor Karanka, he did take us up for one year. So to my Spanish god, Aitor Karanka, I formally apologise. I am sorry. And I will never, ever misspeak of you or my great club again without having factual evidence to back me up. I will never like your Christmas go quiz. off on a limb. Yeah, did you get the wrong, information from, from 2011, did you, or? I did. I, I copied the quiz. It was from Sky Sports 2011. Yeah, I'm not even hiding from the fact it was, yeah, that's it. It was really good, actually. And that's where I got, I almost got a dark quiz, but then, you know, it, it was that's a bit outdated by the sounds of it as well. But we've got to move on. Uh, we've got to move on. We've got to talk about, uh, obviously, uh, heading into the weekend. we got some games that played last night, lads, in the Premier League, and we saw one, yep. which was Everton taking on Man City. Now, Woo! this game, I'm not sure if anyone stayed up and watched it. We know Steve Wraithy was uh, out with the lads, so he probably missed it. But Everton lost to that game 3-1. Uh, but Pe- both Pep and Sean Dyche, <laughs> sorry, that, both uh, came out in the post-match <laughs> conference and had to say that the football laws are a disgrace, lads. They're farcical. Both of them saying that there was a secret Premier League meeting uh, from all the managers that met with PGMOL over a month ago where they said, your decisions are becoming farcical. Now, Sean said that he left that meeting saying that he actually felt more confident that the referees would actually be giving a a fair go. Uh, This is what Sean Dyche had to say last night. The penalty, I have no clue. No, I'm not going to, I can't, that hurts my throat. The penalty, I have no clue, said Sean Dyche. I don't think anyone does. We had a Zoom call, this is the meeting, a Zoom call a couple of months ago. All of the managers said it was a farce and we don't know why they are giving penalties. The rule states uh, this, which is why they gave it tonight. Now, uh, obviously... Sorry, I'm just imagining uh, Roy Hodgson in a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> Not Roy. Roy, point the, point the camera up. No, let's point the wrong way, Roy. Roy! <laughs> Turn your mic on. Turn your microphone on. He was angry last night as well, was poor Roy. Oh, goodness me. But, yeah, and then obviously Pep Guardiola saying that uh, the football laws seem to have gone out the window because they've seen defender John Stones limping off with an ankle injury, but it was sustained after the assistant referee had kept his flag down as Beto ran through on goal despite being fairly offside. Uh, and obviously VAR came back to say it was offside, but John Stones was injured in that. So they let the game play on. Obviously the flag didn't go uh, didn't go up. Uh, Beto ran through, John Stones gets injured and now comes off. So it's, it's, it's now, we've seen obviously now players are getting injured. Thanks to, thanks to VAR and the refereeing decisions, Steve. I'm not sure if you saw the game. No, I didn't. Do you think? Do you think every game has we've got managers questioning refereeing and VAR? Have you ever seen it this bad? I just, you know, with VAR, it's it's got so many, you know, games which is you know it's ruined. There's no other way of describing it. So to hear that there's been another one is no no great surprise. Um, it's not a shock, is it? Yeah. 
Well, it's not. No, it, it, it's not, and it's not going to. It's not going to get sorted out until you know they, you know they either remove the system altogether, or you know they, you know, we get to the end of the season and there's a major overhaul about what you know what 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 they're going to do about it because it, it is ruining the game. It, it's it, and we've spoken about it. We've written a song about it. It's it's become <laughs> it's just become it's become unbearable now um, to the point where. You know the spontaneity of the game has been ruined. Um, you know we're you're literally standing in the ground. The forest game. You know we know there's a VAR check, but you know you're turning to you're turning to whoever you sit next to at the match, going, well, you know, how long is this going to take? Three, four, yeah. five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, it, the game is the game has been ruined by something which is supposed to be enhancing and improving it. So. No surprise to hear that you know Sean Dyche isn't happy, and I'm sure that the, the, that's him and you know the other 19 managers in the Premier League. Everyone, everyone is sick of it. Um, but it's the, you know the only thing you can say is that it's 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 a completely unlevel playing field for everybody, and you know it, it's it's it'll balance out at the end of the season. So the mistakes that are made um, in one game, you know, to your disadvantage will you know, sure happen in a, another game to your advantage. Um, but that's not what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to, it was supposed no. to, you know, perfect the game. It was supposed to help the game. Mm. Um, and it's just become, it's become a stain really on, on the Premier League. It's, it's an absolute nightmare. And, and like we keep saying, you know why can they get it right? So right in sports such as rugby, but so wrong in football. It just it just doesn't make sense. Um, because and, and football all, doesn't suit it. Football's yeah. not a naturally start-stop game. That's that's why that's that's why they can't get it right. And in this instance, I'm just sick of Dice whinging. Old Ginger nuts whinges about anything that doesn't go his way. You know he. he <laughs> I bet you wouldn't dare say that to his face. I bloody would. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bitter and twisted man. He's a bitter and twisted man since he played for Chesterfield against the Borough in the semi-final of the Cup. You know, he's been bitter oh, and twisted robbed. ever <laughs> since. And I'd be bitter and twisted. You, you robbed them? <laughs> well, that's in the story. Um, <laughs> but I say, don't come Sean. In with facts. Yeah, don't come yeah, in with facts. We're talking Sean Dyche here. I mean, did sorry, you see Dave, it, sorry lads? That. Did you? I know Steve didn't because he was on the lash. Um, but did you yeah. see it, fellas? Did you? Did Did you see I the know, incident? I was working yeah. hard. The incident. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten the na the player's it's name. Ridiculous. I'm sorry, but he. No, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is because he throws himself at the ball absolutely, but his arm is away from his body. His arm is in the air. And that's what blocks the ball. I'm sorry, it's it's that 50-50 grey area where a referee is going to think it is or it isn't. And it's this one is not VAR's fault. Because it was one of those, right, slap bang in the middle. Was it a handball? Was, was the arm more in a natural position? And, and a referee's got to make a decision. And VAR will play no part in that because they've got to find clear and obvious errors in the decision-making. So, Daesh, I know you're a regular listener. Button your lip, grow up, stop being a teddy-throwing <laughs> out-of-the-pram child and get on with saving Everton from relegation. End of rant. Wow. I mean, the, the thing you pointed out, though, Dave, as well, which I thought was quite interesting, is we've seen probably... I don't know if it's our first, but I'd say it's one of the bigger ones of our uh, an injury 
has come from VAR now. And I say VAR. No, that is an issue. It's and, and I've been fearing now, for a while this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Now, we've, we've spoken about, obviously, VAR taking, you know, a long time. We've talked about players you know, having a cool down while they're waiting to see. We saw Isaac goal on the weekend, which was a clear penalty, uh, mind you. Uh, you know, we, we had to wait for, you know, 15, what? 10 Are minutes. Are you joking to, me? You don't reckon it was, was a clear penalty? Okay, that's, that was we, not we, a penalty. That see? was never a penalty in a million we're years. Bring that you up. lads can't we're even bring decide. That up. <laughs> 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 uh, and then, but obviously, we've seen the first injury last night, lads, with John Stones. Now, John Stones was... Uh, running after Beto, uh, Beto, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He was off. He was he was ruled offside, but the flag did stay down. It took VAR to come back and say he was offside. So the game should have been stopped, but the linesman got it wrong or right. He obviously just didn't call it. John Stones then injures his ankle, and no. Pep Guardiola confirmed it. It's not uh, a case. Afterwards, it, it's that, not a case of not calling it. What they do now is they delay any decisions for offside because they want to see the outcome of the move because of VAR. VAR can't check a referee blowing and stopping the game and was it offside, was it not? So they now let it so, they now let it play to a natural conclusion. And if a goal scored, great. VAR can then come in and go, it's offside. If a goal's not scored, no harm done. And that is your problem. So they're, they're, So he knows it's offside. He knows it's offside, but he, just doesn't, but he doesn't raise the flag until there is a natural outcome to that move. And there's no issue with that. I mean, I'm seeing issues with that. He knows it's offside. He's got a flag yeah, there to he do knows his it's job offside. as a linesman. And I've had a problem so with this it since it was introduced a couple of years play. ago. It was it was introduced exactly. a couple of years ago, and obviously the natural outcome will be the striker runs on and, and and takes control of the ball. Therefore, the flag can go up and he's offside. But if that if that doesn't happen, then the natural conclusion could be a goal. Mm. Yeah. And and I that's why they saying, delay. What's the, that is why they delay. What's the linesman there for? What's the linesman there for in the Premier League now? Then, um, it, well, he's he's he there. Doing? He's he's there to put his flag up, mate, and and assist the referee. But in the case of offsides, they delay the decision because mm. VAR may have to intervene, and they'd rather have VAR intervene and chalk off a goal than the game to be stopped early when it would have been a perfectly good goal. Hmm. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. It's so ambiguous now, isn't it? It is, it is. And, you know, look, Ted, we talk about the championship. I mean, on the, on the you know, we saw a game against Rotherham where it should have been a penalty, uh, but we've obviously had no VAR to go back to that. But, you know, it's a, it's a tale of, you know, what's worse. Do we see a game on the weekend against Rotherham where we, you know, we had a clear-cut penalty to Bangura, wasn't paid, no VAR play on? Or do we see a game like last night where players are now getting injured or, you know, controversial issues are now going to VAR and it's being overturned. It's just, you know... It's, it's, you could have it next you year. Know, which, you, you could have it next season. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Championship could definitely have it. Yeah, this, yeah. You know, championship you, you, could definitely have it. We could have it. We, shop, we could have yeah. it against Chelsea. I mean, what's going to happen at the Riverside? Yeah. Are they installing VAR? Yeah, well, that's a good point. If the two semi-legs, I, I would think so. I would think so. I don't Premier know. Premier League grounds only, isn't Yeah. Premier League grounds only, though. Yeah, well, that's the FA Cup ruling, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know whether that's the same in the uh, in the Carabao Cup. Well, we um, haven't had it in the Carabao, makes, so... This is what makes it stupid, though. And, and and then getting to the later stages of a cup, suddenly the technology's there. It, it's it's wrong, you know, it's wrong. And, I mean, a team in the third round could go out because of a VAR decision, but mm. you get to the semi-finals and there's no VAR. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. 
It's like changing the rules when it, when it suits you. It, it, it's it, it's crazy. I, I've never never ever understood why they would bring bring it into a cup competition if it's if it's only Premier League. It, it just doesn't make sense. If you've got the technology there, use it. But yeah, it, it, use yeah. it if it works. It, but it's not working. That's the problem. It's not working. No. It's not helping anybody. And you know, it, and, and it's the rules it, as well, though, Steve. Yeah, it is. It it's, is. It's, yeah. You know, the handball rule is ridiculous. There's parts of the offside rule are just absolutely ridiculous. There's, there's too much that's left up in the air with it. You know, I'd rather just, uh, me personally, I'd rather just have, if the ball hits your hand, it's handball, just straightforward. And at least yeah. everybody then knows. I, I know that's an extreme, and I know Dave's like sort of flapping with his, uh, with his, with his rule book already. No but, flap, um, no flap. But, uh, <laughs> but at least everybody knows where they stand then. I know that's an extreme of version of it, but... Yeah. And the same with the offside thing. I think it was was it was that Isaac was caught offside against Forrest, where it was actually his hand that was offside. And you're yeah. kind of going, well, come on. Your hand you, can't be offside. Be... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's well, ridiculous. Well, yeah. well, in that case, it's any, part, it. it's any part of your body that can score a goal is what the offside is judged on. Mm. Is, well, is that right? It was his hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You know what scares me, lads, with the offside rule is you know in the NFL how they've got that imaginary. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the NFL, but when they have yards and how long, like how much they've got to, you know, get to and stuff like that, they've got like this imaginary virtual line. Have you seen that where they yeah. sort of draw it across the across the, the field? I guarantee you, though, if we keep going down this VAR technology route, you're going to see an imaginary line now run with the last player for offside, and you're going to have sideline cameras as well going. That? Going left and right. Oh, they'll do it, mate. They'll do it. Hundred percent, they'll do it. It's ridiculous, though. That's the, that's like the, the type of like avenue we're going down, though, for the football. Yeah. Like last night, they could have done with a with a video. Uh, sorry, a camera that runs along the sideline like a linesman, sack the side lineman, you know, and then and they're just going to replace them with cameras that are like a like a I don't know like a fly cam that goes left and right along with yeah. the, the the last man in defence to make a VAR offside ruling. It's ridiculous. I mean, and you're trying to make an offside ruling. From a VAR point of view, the VAR video assistant, right? The video from some of these is, is center of the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no cameras there on, on some stadiums that are, in, are, are to the left and right of the goal, in line with the player to see if they actually are. You know what I mean? There's no camera technology in certain at Kenilworth Road to, to tell me that you know this player has been wasn't in line with so and so. Because, you know, they can't afford, you know, 40 cameras. They've got the one stadium camera, and that's what the VAR see as well. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I've had enough. I've had enough, lads. Mark, I've had enough. Um, anyway, it's time for your news. Just before you do, just news, before you do, because I know we don't want to come back onto VAR, let's complete the picture no, this morning. Uh, Mark Clattenburg came out yesterday because he was uh, he was on the uh, TNT team. Um, and his wife and was surprised. Indeed. And, <laughs> um, and, and his point was... The referee didn't make an error in giving the penalty. The referee's decision was correct according to the laws of the game. It's the way the laws of the game are now written that's causing all this issue. Yeah. So um, I, I've got to agree with him absolutely 100%. Mm -hmm. Because every single year, IFAB get together and they try and tinker with the laws of the game to make it as black and white as they can. And all they're succeeding in doing is causing more and more confusion. Because it's not a yeah. game of black and white. It isn't. It never has been. It's a contact sport. So at what point does that contact become unfair? That's, that's, that's the telling decision. So you're straight into the land of, of being subjective in your decision making. So you can't make football black and white. I'm sorry, it's not a game of chess. And that's, and yeah. that's your problem. Yeah, no, I completely no, agree. It's just it's, agree. It's getting ridiculous.
and seeing John Stones injured from a game from an offside position last night that where the linesman knew was offside but let it play on because it's, it's the new mm-hmm. rule and then John Stones gets injured. I mean, come on. I mean, even the on. most anyway, off- it's even the most even the most obvious offside. Sorry, I know you're desperate to get in the news. Even no, the most no, I'm just obvious. trying to keep you on time. Thanks, man. I'm happy to talk about this for the next hour. I'm so frustrated. Well, so am I. <laughs> um, look, even the most obvious offside decisions, the linesmen now hold their flag until they've got to put it up. You know, and that, and, and it, mm. it led to some farcical situations when this changed a couple of years ago, which was you could mm. clearly see a striker was offside. He would jog along to the far corner where the ball was rolling. And if he didn't touch the ball, they didn't put the flag up. You know, it's like it becomes farcical. And this is now um, probably a seventh iteration of, of what they did a couple of years ago, which is now if it's tight, fellas, just keep your flag down and we'll let VAR sort it out once the game's come to a natural end. And now we're seeing the results of that, which is a player has continued to play, obviously, when the uh, the assistant referee knows he it's going to be an offside decision from VAR if the ball goes in into the goal and now that defender who's continued playing on when the game should have been stopped has suffered an injury because of it and that's not right no. yeah I mean uh, uh, just quickly Steve as well that uh, can I just get your views Isaac's penalty on the weekend penalty right he ran through him the first the, the, the one that actually was awarded a penalty um, when yes. you watch it in slow motion it, it's a penalty but I mean the, the first yes. Thank you. first view first Ed. view I didn't think it was a penalty um, oh. I thought that he'd I thought he'd I, th- I just thought it was he's so quick that's the problem and, and I just thought at first glance if I was refereeing that game I, I, I wouldn't have given it but when I saw it slowed down it, it is a penalty um, the second one which wasn't given was correct as well it, it, it wasn't a penalty i know mm. people were crying crying for a, a penalty but it, it wasn't a penalty but it is difficult it is difficult but that's where you know th- that's where your your assistant referees come in you know they, they should be watching the game intently and you know they, they, before var this is what we we're working on we we're working on you know yeah. the, the officials were working together i get your point as well about you know assistant assistant referees virtually are virtually redundant these days you know yeah. Um, it, it you know because they must feel like they're completely overruled as well. But but yeah, I, I thought the first I thought the first one which was given a penalty was a correct decision. But so difficult, yeah. so difficult when you're watching in time to be able to say yes, that's definitely a penalty. But he's so quick, Isaac, and it was the it yeah, was the turn that did it. It was the turn that did it, and the flailing legs sticking out. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's you know it was, it's always a risk. But yeah, I thought it was a penalty. Anyway, We Hate VAR is a number uh, nine in the UK charts. Make sure you give it a listen on Spotify. Uh, we'll have to give it another play. Give it another play. We're, we're, we're we climbing the charts because we have hit the nail on the head. We all hate VAR. It's time for your news headlines. We are a little bit late. We'll be back in the next hour to talk everything but VAR. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. That's all right, John Wait, missing you. Um, did I hear right there, fellas, in that news bulletin? Someone's campaigning that everybody must work a four day week. Oh my goodness, yeah. really? Wow. <laughs> what? 
I mean, as uh, in the minimum or I mean, uh, no, 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 no maximum. Maximum. A maximum. What? Oh, poor Mr. UK worker. 38 hours a week, you know 40 what? hours a week, can't deal with it. I remember when I was an apprentice at ICI. I've just cottoned on what you meant because I've read, I've opened up the chat thinking you were having a go at me for going to make a coffee to keep away. <laughs> I'm like, like uh, screw you, Dave. <laughs> like, like, uh, I've got up early for this. I don't have to take this crap from you. Oh, dear doctor. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, have, you, mate. S- have you seen the chat, right, Steve? I don't know whether you've seen it. Yeah, just going up with it. Dear God. <laughs> oh, Tim, I'm sorry. I thought you were having a pop. No, no, mate. No, mate. Daddy in comment. Ted's out here defending himself. Oh, wow, hang on. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Ted's <laughs> gone. I'm going to make I'm, a brew. I went to put the kettle on by the couch. I've had an absolute cummy moment. <laughs> I don't know. I've <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Brilliant. Well, this is Ted's last show after yeah. going off at Radio Dad. Thanks for joining us, Ted. I appreciate it. Yeah, Radio Dad was giving Ted lots of love, and all he got was a full of abuse attack. Yeah, absolutely. I just, can't, I just can't believe that. You know, we can't work 38 hours a week I can only apologise. It's all right, mate. I know, I know it was fully intended. Don't worry. Yeah, bizarre. It is wild. No, I, I think the, next, the next, piece of, next piece of legislation, I'll use the first one I mentioned. I can't use the second line, guys, on air. I think the first... The, <laughs> Uh, the first thing that legislation will be passed is sleeping pods with nice fluffy pillows will be added to every workplace in the UK. There you go. Well, yeah, would, would. obviously it's it's on there, but the, you know, it. in Japan, in Japan, if you're found sleeping at your desk, it's actually commended by your bosses because they think that you've worked so hard, you're actually completely fatigued and have earned that sleep. <laughs> hey, I'm going to move to Japan. I'm going to be a CEO. <laughs> I was going to tell you. I was going to tell you a story about uh, Japan and uh, what you can do in your lunch break, fellas. But we can't do that conversation on the radio. We'll talk about it privately. <laughs> we need a late night breakfast show. It's amazing, mate. If we if we can get commended for sleeping, your boy has found his calling. I tell you, That's I would it. be the CEO of every Japanese marketing whatever you need me to do. If I need to sleep at my desk. I'm your man. Trust me. I would. I will nail that job. Hey, the best by, job I've ever been good at. By the way, guys, um, you just mentioned there, Ted, about the uh, the evening late evening breakfast show. Uh, we do go yes. out again at drive time, and we've got a message here from uh, from Deno. Uh, he did send a message in during the uh, the replay of this yesterday. All right. Great show tonight, lads. Up the borough from Deno. So there yes. you go. Hey, Deno. Oh, good to have you. Nice good to have you along, mate. Thanks, Thanks Deno. Thanks for tuning in. Obviously, you chose the right team. You seem like a nice man. Nah, don't listen to him. Ted's been drinking. He's fired anyway. It's his last show. Uh, we love you, Deno. We love you. Let's get into your club headlines. It is after 8 a.m. here on the Northeast Brecky Show. Club headlines for the each of the three Northeast teams. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Maybe listening from. I hope you're all fantastic, safe and well. Happy Thursday. Michael Carrick has said he doesn't expect any of the injured players back for this Friday's game at Huddersfield Town, meaning Borough will, will be without again Seti Dieng, Hayden Hackney, and Emmanuel Latte Lath, just to name a few. With Latte Lath again set to miss out, uh, Carrick must decide now whether Josh Coburn is ready to go after coming off the bench for the last two appearances against West Brom and Rotherham. Borough have now played without a recognised striker in the last two games, playing Sammy Silvera up top. But Michael Carrick rejected claims 
that a lack of cutting edge was the concern after the back Boxing Day defeat against the league's bottom club. And Mark Schwarzer has come out and done a rare interview speaking Middlesbrough, uh, and he's asking that and hoping, sorry, that we can enjoy a strong second half to the season and push for playoffs after having a disappointing, inconsistent first half. After reaching the playoffs last term, thanks to an excellent run under the new head coach, I have struggled more this term after a huge squad rebuild was required. But Michael, Schwar uh, sorry, Mark Schwartz just now says that he's understanding that their squad is so young and therefore inconsistent this term. He was speaking to Live Score and Borough Legend said, "I'm hoping that the league form has been can be really, really consistent in the new year because it's been a disappointment for them. I think they started off really poor as well. And I thought, geez, if this continues, then Michael Carrick might be under pressure, but he's turned it around. And now they've gone on a really good run, but now of late, they've kind of dropped off again. The championship is so difficult when you look at the clubs that come in and out of it. And when you look at the quality of teams around them, it shows you how hard it is. Because we've been in there for some time now as well. And the longer you're in there, the more difficult it is to get out of it. Well, my big Mark, I love you. Thank you for being the best Aussie that I've ever seen between the six. But you're wrong because Borough are going back to the Premier League in a short jiffy. Don't you worry about that. Borough taking on Huddersfield Town. We'll be right up the Borough. That's your morning headlines. Magpies and proud. Mags News. Kieran Trippier admits that his own high standards have dropped during Newcastle United's winter slump. The England fullback admits that United's performances have been nowhere near the level that was set earlier in the campaign as Nottingham Forest keep, uh, help themselves to three points at St James's Park. Trippier insisted Newcastle, though, are capable of bouncing back. The Newcastle captain, speaking to Amazon Prime, said, We've been playing two games a week, week after week, and some players aren't used to that, and my own standards have dropped. But I'm old enough to speak about myself, and my standards have been nowhere near. I've faced enough setbacks in my career to know I can bounce back. John Carver's made it clear that the door remains open for Elliot Anderson with, a Scotland, with Scotland ahead of next summer's European Championships in Germany. Although the Scotland coach has indicated Anderson must focus on getting back to fitness with Newcastle United first. Anderson won a call-up with Steve Clark's side last autumn, but pulled out through injury amid comments from England chief Gareth Southgate that he was also under consideration with the three Lions. And Newcastle and Sunderland have learned who will referee the Weertain derby on the uh, FA Cup third round day. Uh, the FA have given the job to Craig Horson. Uh, and he will be ably assisted by Mark Perry and Stephen Meredith on the line and Andrew Maidley, the fourth official. Uh, there will be no VAR in operation despite the stadium alike being more than capable of facilitating the technology. That is your Newcastle United headlines on Thursday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Like you've just heard from Steve there, Sunderland have learned who will referee the Weirtine Derby on FA Cup third round day. The FA Cup have leaned towards Craig Pawson for the big day, with a South Yorkshire whistler having an array of big derbies under his belt already, including Liverpool versus Everton and Tottenham versus Arsenal. And now it's time for a really big one, of course. Pawson has got form for sending off Newcastle players. He's sent off Jamal Sells, Isaac Hayden and Jeff Hendrick during various games in charge. Um, but his appointment for the clash at Sunderland sees the FA opt for one of their most experienced men in the middle. Mr Pawson is a Sheffield United fan, so hopefully there's an unconscious leaning towards the Red and Whites on January the 6th. Speaking of the derby, Sunderland defender Dan Ballard is walking a disciplinary tightrope, so am I, ahead of the Black Cats' upcoming games against <coughs> Rotherham United and Preston North End. Ballard is sitting on eight yellow cards after receiving a caution against Bristol City last week, and were he to pick up a ninth and 10th yellow card in the two coming league games, 
the ex-Arsenal defender will be forced to serve a two-match ban. That's prompted questions from Sunderland fans with many wondering if that would mean Ballard would miss the clash against Newcastle in the FA Cup. However, the FA rules confirm that cautions are competition specific as are the suspensions which arise from accumulating them. That means that Ballard will be suspension free for the game against Newcastle regardless of any yellows picked up between now and the third round clash on January the 6th. And finally, Black Cats, former Black Cats wide man and all-round Sunderland legend has left his role as South Shields manager. The Mariners were defeated by Blythe Spartans on Boxing Day, a result that leaves them 8th in the Vanarama National North table, having lost four games on the spin. A statement from the club read, South Shields FC can confirm the decision has been made to part company with the first team manager Julio Arca and his assistant Tommy Miller. The club expresses its sincere gratitude to Julio and Tommy for their efforts during their time at the first Cloud Arena and wishes them both well, both well for the future endeavours. And that is your Thursday morning headlines. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North Welcome on back to the Northeast Breakfast Show. It is Thursday. It is 19 past eight. We have football to talk about. We've got championship football coming back tomorrow, especially with Barra trying to get back to the winning ways. Who cares about BL Madrid? But speaking of BL Madrid, and I liken it to Real Madrid, lads. Real Madrid have uh, had some interesting contract negotiations being revealed. Uh, James Rodriguez. Did you like how I pronounced that? That's my... Uh, that's well, that's my, correctly, that's so my that thing like that. Yeah. No, I know. All right. I know, right? James Rodriguez. Wow. Jeez, I'm, I'm impressing myself here. Uh, he has revealed that in his time at Real Madrid, it was forced by contract that they were to say whenever asked who was the best footballer that they had to say Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, much like it is here on the radio where Ted and Steve have to say that I'm the best, Ted, can you believe... That in a contract negotiation, you've just imagine imagine your friend Bellingham, who's been at your Sunderland games, rocks up to Real Madrid. He's just gotten the move of a lifetime from Borussia Dortmund after Birmingham, uh, and he's gone to Real Madrid. He sat down, and they've said, "Look, dude, you're actually incredible. We're going to give you a million dollars per hour, uh, but there's only one thing: you have to say." Uh, Ted the Mackham isn't very good at radio, and Cristiano Ronaldo is the best footballer in the world. Do you think that is the conversation that comes up? I mean, how can this be in contracts in this day and age? I I don't believe for a minute that that's been in a contract. Um, I'm, I'm more shocked at the fact that you got Hamas Rodriguez's name right. I oh, know, thank how you. How long you were impressed in that? I mean, I, I would love hour. to hear how many times you say James Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Listen, I, I don't well. believe that. <laughs> I don't believe for a minute that that's been in the contract. I think that's maybe has been lost in translation. Maybe they've been encouraged to see it, um, but as far as that being in a professional footballer's contract, surely not. Even if it was, it's it's just a fact anyway. I mean, let, let's face it. He, he, he no, is, no, no, no. Don't go, go down Here that route. We go. No, no. Here we go. Here we go. He was. He was. He was. Sorry, but he was better than Messi. He's, he's How many Ballon d'Ors do you win? That's, that's absolutely inconsequential, mate. Absolutely inconsequential. <laughs> success, success data. Lionel, we can lay Lionel down on the Messi table if won, you want. Right. Lionel Messi won a one for playing in the MLS, mate. That's how much of a joke the Ballon d'Or is. He was so good playing in the MLS, he got the Ballon d'Or, mate. Oh, come on. 
mate, have a look at his stats. It's it's just this ridiculous well, we loving with Lionel Messi. We have on the show. A, we've we, laid we had, out. We had this in August, Ted, and I agree out, with you, mate. We've laid out Ronaldo against Messi with the stats, and Messi's got the higher percentage win ratio. He's got the better let's, goal let's, ratio. Let's, let's just move on. Let's just move now, on. Now get in, in Ted. It's your I'm last like. show. Honestly, you know, we, we need to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean, man. Don't do that to me. I just, I just got to confirm with you here. Just, just obviously, just uh, obviously, just jumping in because you're saying that you don't think it was in contract. So this came from an at press conference where Hamas Rodriguez was talking about uh, the the fact that he thinks has high regard for Lionel Messi. He was asked if he would ever move to the MLS. Obviously, seeing Luis Suarez move to Miami, and he said this. And this is verbatim, just so you know. He said, I've always thought that Messi is the best in history. He, and then he said, and then he said, well, in fact, in re, when I was at Real Madrid, we were forced by contract to say that the best was Cristiano. There you go. That was a press conference well, done yesterday. Who's Hamas Rodriguez, mate? He failed at Everton. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nobody. He's an right absolute at the nobody. I, I, I think there would be more players from Real Madrid would have actually come out and said that by now. I just think it's a, it's 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 a it's a nothing line from a nothing player, mate. He scored one good goal in the World Cup. Um, I think he's just after he's just after a few likes and a bit of notoriety on social media, mate. Um, it, it's I can't imagine that being written into anyone's contract. I know previously there have been sort of uh, you know some let's say underhand or, or, or shady kind of suggestions with the likes of the Brazil national team only picking players who had a boot deal with Nike and things like that mm. I believe that is out there for you know for, for commercial gain um, but as far as like you, you can only come here and you'll only get your money if you say Ronaldo's the best ah, sorry I've that even Spanish football isn't that juvenile and there's only two teams in it well shout out to Nike crazy. if you are listening uh, the the Northeast Breaking Show is looking for a sponsorship. Steve, uh, do you think that it is uh, at any chance real? Well, it, I mean, I've never heard anything as daft as that. You know, seeing that somebody's got to be the best. The, 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 you know, you've got to you've got to say that it, it can't be in a contract. It ca- it cannot be. And, and I'm definitely coming down on the side of, the, of Ted. Yeah, that this is this is just somebody doing this and saying this for you know a bit of controversy, a bit of a, a bit of a bit of like um, you know social media activity. It's it's, it's crazy that it, it, no one no one in the right mind would sign a contract to to say that either. You know, it's it's. It, it almost feels like a, a throwback to one of those old pro, those programs on ITV where you used to what was a game for a laugh where they used to stitch somebody up. Yes. Or uh, I'm waiting for yeah. Noel Edmonds to jump out of the you know with his <laughs> microphone and say "Gotcha." I mean, it's it's, it's that it's that it's that daft uh, suggestion. I, I just can't believe anybody in their right mind would would even insert that into a contract. And I don't think, yeah. I mean, you know, Ronaldo would be, surely he would be thinking, well, that's crazy as well. If this ever comes out. No, I would think it was great. Would he? <laughs> He's the one that put it in. just confirms the fact. I don't think, uh, I don't think, I don't think this is a genuine story. I, I think it's, uh, you've got to check the date to make sure it's not April the 1st when this was released. It's, 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 it's that stupid. Probably from uh, 2011 no. since Ryan took it up. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't think Real Madrid it. signing Hamas Rodriguez. <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't think it's real, lads. I don't think it's real. Oh, it is very interesting, I reckon. So, no, it, it, it is obviously recent news. 
Uh, and it was literally, it was literally from a press conference. But, you know, interesting times. We'll see what happens there. But we have seen Luis Suarez move to the MLS as well recently. So, might, I tell you what, Inter Miami uh, are becoming the ex-Barcelona very quickly there. Uh, but unfortunately, all those players are over 35. So, good luck to you, Inter Miami. Uh, with the ex-Barcelona B squad there. Lads, let's move on. We've only got a short amount of time here till we get to a sports headlines. We might pick it up again after the break, but I wanted to get your thoughts. We've seen now that Sir Jim Ratcliffe's takeover of Man United is done. He has taken over 25% of the club. He has asked fans to be patient because it will take a long time, he said, to, to see his input become, uh, to bring success back to Man United. He said that his uh, squad, the squad playing staff, uh, coaching staff, everything like that is under his control. Uh, only, e- Even though he only owns 25%, he does seem to have taken the, a bit of the reins. That does seem Steve, a we'll bit of a weird you. setup, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. it does. And I'll, and I'll start with you, Steve. Obviously, you've got uh, a good friend of the show, uh, the Man United uh, mate Mally. himself. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just wanted to ask, do, do you think Sir Jim's got most control now of Man United? Uh, no, the Glazers will. Um, I, I think this is a, you know, it, it, it needs investigating uh, by the Premier League. I mean, they say that it can take four to six weeks for, for this to go through. But in reality, it's, it, you know, Newcastle's takeover, as we know, took took far longer. Um, it, need, it needs examining, um, you know, closely what this is all about. Is, is it a... Is it a way of bypassing financial fair play? Um, are they going to, you know, are they going to be able to do things which, you know, can can enhance the club financially? They say that they're going to be investing the money in the stadium and, and repairs to, to to Old Trafford, um, but in reality, what you know, what does this actually mean? It, it, it it's suggesting that they're going to be in control of the football side of things, but yeah, a bit of head scratching for me on this one. Really, I I genuinely feel that it's. Um, it's just another way of bypassing financial fair play and getting Manchester United back, you know, back on track. But you know, Melly Melly seems very happy about it. Um, not as happy as he yeah. would have been, I, I, I think. With you know, he, he certainly preferred, you know, the, the the Middle Eastern side of things. You know, he, he was looking for a Qatari ownership. Um, you know, he, he would have been more happy with that. But Sir Jim Ratcliffe, I guess the positive for him is he's, you know, he's 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 a he's a fan, isn't he? Um, he's a fan yeah. of the club, so he's he's going to want to do what's best for the club. So, look, it's 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 certainly it's it's a short term it's a short term solution to a long term problem. But you know, I don't think Manchester United fans will be truly happy until the Glazers have gone, and I just don't know whether that'll ever happen. But you know, is 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 this part is is twenty five percent ownership going to eventually become you know a full takeover? You would imagine so at some point, but it's. You know, at the moment, the Glazers are still there, and they've still got a problem. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's like a part, a partnership, isn't it? Like, you know, they don't, they don't always work. So it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. But I certainly would, would hope that the Premier League would be looking at it with a, you know, with a fine tooth comb before, before they give permission for it to go ahead. And hopefully, as many sanctions and you know, you know, caveats attached to this particular takeover as there has been with Newcastle make sure that you know they play by the rules put it that way Mm, it's very interesting Ted we'll get your thoughts after this but just uh, before we get to the sports headlines the other rumor that's not the rumor it's been confirmed as well that the uh, that part of the contract that Sir Jim Ratcliffe has signed as well is that he's banned from publicly criticizing the Glazer family 
that was one of the conditions of the Man United takeover as well to sign in. So, who, very who interesting. Wrote this contract, the same person who did the Ronaldo one. This is this is this was from Ham. Uh, uh, it's a reporter called James Rodriguez. It looks like so, uh, James Rodriguez, a reliable source. Let's get to your sports headlines and we'll come back and get Ted's thoughts on what is his final show after annoying Radio Dad. <laughs> From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stony Gate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane, Steve, Ted and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune and the cat. I love that, fellas. Welcome I love back. It. I love it. I love how the newsreader turned around and said, was it Wolves forgot to defend? Imagine that being your first yeah. question in the post-match <laughs> interview. Hello, so you forgot to defend. He'd get punched. <laughs> he did say that, didn't he? he? said Wolves have... Brentford, sorry. Brentford, forgot to Brentford against Wolves and oh, they forgot yeah. to defend. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought he... Yeah, that was, that was quite a... some quite trigger a moments with quite a few of the Premier League <laughs> managers when I was with Sky. Alex Ferguson being one who walked off a live interview once because I asked him what he thought was a clever question when they're at Sunderland. Oh, my goodness. Really? <laughs> <coughs> oh, dear. Oh, my goodness me. Well, welcome he, back he to the North East Breaking Show. It is Thursday morning. for the stadium, I like to be fair. Never mind. <laughs> but it was a bit of a... It, it, was, was, it, was a, it was a bit of a horrible question, to be fair. They'd just done Sunderland 2-0. I think it was where were we at. We were in the uh, beginning of March, or was it end of February? So there's quite, uh, quite a number of games still to go, and I just said... Um, uh, I said something along the lines of, uh, as I paraphrase, uh, as I dig through the grey matter, but it was something like, um, so uh, is that one hand uh, one hand firmly fixed on the uh, on the Premier League trophy then for this season? Sir Alex, he just looked at me and he went, how can I answer what is your clever question if I say yes? Then people call me arrogant. If I say no, they'll say I've, uh, I've bottled it. And he just walked off. Brilliant. <laughs> well done, you. Mm. Okay. Well then. <laughs> there <Oops>. you go. <laughs> well, talking about obviously Man United, we're talking obviously Sir Jim Ratcliffe. We were uh, just before the break hearing Steve's thoughts on the takeover. He is asking that the Premier League should investigate because uh, obviously the takeover worth billions of dollars here. Uh, we got to get Ted's thoughts because. Yeah, it, I did reveal just before, it is from the Times as well. We were joking that it was Hummers Rodriguez's report, but this one's from the Times, and the Times reports are this. United have confirmed on Christmas Eve that they have struck a deal to, that will see the British billionaire purchase a 25% stake in the club for a fee of around £1.25 billion. As part of the, the deal, Ratcliffe and the Glazer family have agreed not to criticise each other in public. That is according to the Times. Ted... Your thoughts on the takeover, Man United, 25%, 1.25 billion pounds. What happens oh, now for United? <laughs> well, I mean, the whole thing about agreeing not to sort of slate each other in public. Look, the ownership... Like you just did this morning to me. Company, <laughs> I yeah, did not exactly. do that. Stop, stop being <laughs> hysterical. Go <laughs> on, <laughs> well, walk off the interview. <laughs> Um, I don't like your clever question and I'm going to mute my microphone <laughs> um, Listen, I mean the, the, the ownership and directorship of, of any company shouldn't be doing that anyway regardless of whether it's a football club whether it's a, a financial institution anything like that, that that should be indoors you know, in the boardroom and kept to that 
I'm sure they will be critical of each other because, you know, in, in a work environment like that, when so much money is at stake, of course there are going to be strong opinions and strong disagreements as well. So, yeah, I'm, I think that's... That's maybe it's just you know with uh, with Radcliffe. Maybe Do you believe that more than Hammers? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think it's maybe it's just written in there the kind of okay. Any business we do, anything that's to be discussed about the club is done in private, which I think is the uh, yeah. the correct and proper way to do things. The bit that interests me is there seems to be a little bit of ambiguity over you know the, the involvement in the transfer side of things because there's. You're right in what you're saying, right? There's, there's certain parts of the press reporting that that Radcliffe and his team are going to be pretty much in charge of transfers and recruitment and all that yeah. sort of thing. However, in other parts of the deal that, that, that I'm reading in, in, in other media outlets is that Radcliffe and Ineos must be consulted by United if they want to sign any players, even mm. while the Premier League are actually verifying the deal and, and making sure everything's going through and, and they will go through it with a fine-tooth comb. So... Yeah, Radcliffe and Ineos have to be consulted by United. So it's not the same as Radcliffe actually dipping his hand into his pocket and saying, here's a couple of players for you. It's a very, very strange kind of... It's just weird. The deal is weird. It is, isn't it? It's a lot of money to own quarter of a club, which isn't the majority shareholding. And I just kind of think, what is this? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be more nervous if I was a Man United supporter, to be honest, because uh, it's it just, I don't know, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of 25% mm. of the club? All right, sure, you get a bit of a shareholder, but we had this on, on a much lesser scale, of course, with uh, Charlie Methven and Stuart Donald. There were still directors of the club, even when Carol Louis-Dreyfus took, took you know, uh, the lion's share. Until you get the glazers out, until you get the old ownership out completely, not even a minority shareholder, you need them out. Only then you can actually start and rebuild the club properly. Dave, what are your thoughts on this one? Because I'd be interested to see what you did. You've been, uh, we've been obviously talking about this for a long time. Obviously, Ratcliffe uh, has been, you know, talked about take coming and taking over for a while, but to learn that he's only taken twenty five percent. It seems to be the majority now face of Man United. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's kind of, it still seems to be uh, the Glazers club, but Sir Jim Ratcliffe is now the face of it. Yeah, I mean, that's no surprise, is it? Because the Glazers are about as, as popular as ever in a spacesuit. So um, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's the front face. Um, I think this 25% is part of a longer term strategy. I think it starts at 25 and I think then he's going to grow and grow his interest until he, he wholly owns the club, or certainly the Glazers have um, have, have relinquished their shareholding. Um, so right now, United, yeah, it makes sense to have him almost as the front front of house, you know, the face of Manchester United, even though he's, he's only a 25% shareholder. It is a bizarre setup. I've not seen anything like this before, where somebody goes in, buys a minority stake, and then suddenly becomes up front and centre, Mr. Manchester United. Um, but I think it's 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 all to do with appeasing the fans and and how unpopular the Glazers know they are. Mm. It, it 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 strikes me that this com- that there's confusion, and I I see it now becoming I don't know if 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 it is true that Jim Ratcliffe is going to to full control one day, then surely the signings that he's going to sanction now, he would think that in a few years' time will be his 
players. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and, and I can't imagine if Sir Jim comes in and says, right, we now need to sell, uh, I don't know, you know, we, we go and sell Anthony. We obviously need to get, you know, sort out Jaden Sancho, but they sell him. Uh, and then they obviously bring in someone else. Whether he needs to then go and see the Glazers and says, all right, I'm going to buy so-and-so. Uh, and I'm also selling Jaden Sancho. And if he needs permission there, if there is talks that he's going to own the club solely in a few years' time. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works. I've never really seen a club with two kind of ownerships, I guess you could say. I mean, I've always had the one club uh, owner, obviously, Steve Gibson, and he's never really had to sort of discuss what's happening. Uh, you've obviously got some some uh, interesting couple of weeks, Ted, with Sunderland uh, and their, the ownership there. Obviously, you've had a few... Interesting questions thrown at them, obviously, with the sacking of Tony Mowbray and obviously Michael Beale coming in. Do you think this is like a new era? I mean, we've seen a new era we were talking about the other day of, of a head coach now being sort of the more popular thing rather than a manager. Are we going to see more clubs being owned by multiple parties? I, I think so, yes. I mean, to put it into a, you know, we see it in other areas of sport. Horse racing is probably the best example of this, where you can actually get a, a a group of people come together and actually own something in sporting terms. It means the the, the risks are far less in terms of, you know, it, it's not a single point of failure with a club. You look at Germany, where most clubs are at least 50% owned by fans. You know, even, even the big clubs we're talking about. So... I think multiple owners has its place. Um, I, I don't think it should be all on one person because, yeah, we, we do get people of, of questionable integrity taking football clubs. Of, of course we do. We, we've seen it over the past. We've seen it, uh, you know, the, the guy who was at Man City. I, I, I'm not even going to attempt the pronunciation. You know the guy who I mean, though, who was there when Mark Hughes was originally around. Um, Dave, are you, are you going to venture and, and try and take a stab at his name again? Go on, hit me with it again. I was I was doing some research while you were talking. Sorry, mate. He was tearing my contract up. That was um, it. What, <laughs> what contract? <laughs> I was doing something really exciting, like looking at the top 10 owners of Manchester United and the top 10 mutual funds that are holding shares in Manchester United. Man, I was, you know, I was real gripping stuff for a breakfast show. Fantastic. Well, actually, it was related to that. The, the, the former owner of Manchester City, who's... Uh, oh, Taxing I mean, that's tell you what I'm quite impressed with. That. Yeah, you don't that pronounce the you, you don't That's, you don't pronounce the R A on the end of his surname, so it looks like Tax in no. Shinawatra, but it isn't. You you pronounce it Tax in Shinawatra. Oh well, there you go. Not there as good as Rodriguez. I met him. Well, I interviewed that? him. I got beaten up by his men in black for uh, asking him questions when he was trying oh, to wow. buy Liverpool. Do you remember when he was trying to buy Liverpool before he settled on City? I was working in Asia then. I got sent to uh, the Parliament building for his usual turns up in the morning, walks up the stairs, turns around all the local press, then ask him questions, and he goes in and does whatever work a Prime Minister does. Um, I, I, I got tagged onto that once, and uh, the old time men in black looked at me and went, you're not from here, which was pretty obvious, oh. me being from Teesside. Oh. Uh, don't ask any questions. And uh, I ended up getting jabbed in the ribs and all sorts of stuff because I completely oh. I completely disregarded their orders and asked him questions on buying Liverpool. Oh, okay. I, did, yes. I, didn't re- I, I, I was unaware that he'd even tried to buy Liverpool. That must be way back a few years ago. Oh, it was now, a like long, long time. It was before, before he even sniffed at City, yeah. Yeah, but like like I said, I mean, there's people like him. I'll come to to England and sort of you know, 
seemingly invest a lot of money and they're going to do this and they're going to do that and you know this is why we have the fit and proper persons act now um is is through you know whether it's misdealings or just com- complete ineptitude on the owner's part but yeah a single owner i think i think we're going to see this die out completely before long you know the way newcastle operating now is is more of a, a joint venture i guess uh, or a yeah. business owning another business, you know, it's more of a more of a takeover, really, isn't it? Um, so yeah, yeah I, I think we're going to see multiple ownerships become more and more of a thing. Um, I'm a big fan of what they do in Germany with the fan-owned idea as well, um, but I don't think I think we're too far gone in the Premier League for that now. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that, Steve. Obviously, you've got experience now with Newcastle being sort of a joint-owned club. Uh, obviously, you've got the public investment fund. Uh, which which is a, a group, uh, and obviously it's still compri- it's comprising of uh, Amanda Staveley uh, and is it Jamie Ru- Ru- Ruben Ruben I think it is. Uh, so I mean you've you've seen uh, you know obviously your club now owned by multiple parties. Do you think that's the future uh, for 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 clubs? And we seen Man United obviously that was the topic of conversation here, owned by Glazers and Jim Ratcliffe. You think more clubs are going to share ownership and come to uh, you know agreements and stuff like that as a group collective rather than a classic traditional what we see at Borough with Steve Gibson owning the whole club? No. Sounds like he's gone. No. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate that. Thanks for your input. Uh, open Chrome, by the way, Steve, whenever you need know, to. I don't uh, know what happened there, but um, for oh, some reason, Dave, I think <laughs> Dave, Dave's, Dave's microphone thing on his system, it, it, it had muted for some reason, so that's bizarre. Oh. But I was talking away. I said, yeah, I, I genuinely oh, no. do feel I do feel that there will be more. Um, there will be more joint ownerships. But I'm sure that, that, you know, having a joint ownership can mean that there's more... There's, there's, there's a there's more chance of sponsorship coming into the club. There's more money going to be driven towards clubs, and it's it's so tricky. This is what I'm saying. It's, the Newcastle thing was put under this magnifying glass because of the Saudis, um, yeah. and I think that you're going to need to do the same again with this Manchester United takeover. I think I, I just feel that this Glazer um, Ratcliffe combo is is, is going to lead to you know being able to find a ways around financial fair play i just think there's it opens mm. the door for potential deals which which may give man united an unfair advantage um i just you know that's my feeling uh, and and i guess they they will be looking at what newcastle can potentially do and think and well we need to be able to counteract that by doing this it's I think we will see more of it. I, I do. I do think we will see more of it. The Newcastle one's completely different. It's eighty percent PIF, ten percent Ruben, ten percent Stavely and Gadusi. So, it's you know they've they've got no chance of any major decisions being made um, because Amanda and Jamie have decided this is what we want to do. They're not going to be able to overturn what you know the majority shareholder are going to say. You know, it's the control and the power. Where how does that work out? And I think. I think 25% is a hell of a lot of money, a hell of a lot of um, shares, and I think they eventually will take over. You know, they eventually will take over the club. I think this is the first step towards a complete takeover. Maybe it's, you know, maybe that's part and parcel of the deal that they've made. They may have, they may have already sat down with the Glazers and said, let's see how it works out. You know, the Glazers may be saying, look, we, we want to retain the majority shareholding until we're convinced that you're the right people for the job and you're going to put your money where your mouth is. Um, and then we're, then we're prepared to step aside. But, you know, who knows? 
there is another there is another possibility steve with manchester united is Mm -hmm. i've just been doing that boring stuff like i I was talking about early um so if ratcliffe comes in and owns 25 percent there are some yep. investment companies that, that own a chunk of Manchester United as well. So Linsell Train owns 21.22%, so mm-hmm. just over 21%. They're a British investment company. Um, yep. Aerial Investments comes out of Chicago, but I can't find any link to the Glazers. They own just short of 11%. And then you've got a few further down, Eminence Capital, 8%, et cetera, et cetera. So if Ratcliffe plays his cards right, he could, if he can align Linsell Train... And the likes of Aerial Investment, if they're not connected to the Glazers, uh, and a few of the others alongside, he could very quickly have control of over 50% of Manchester United, and the Glazers would be left with what they've got. So yep. um, there could be a bit of a power struggle coming here if it doesn't go like Ratcliffe is hoping it's going to go with his uh, obvious obvious growth in uh, in ownership himself. Yeah, the Glazers will know this, though. You know, I mean, they're not stupid. They haven't got to where they are in, in, in life by being daft. They're going to know. They're going to fully mm. understand this. And this is what makes me think that it's, you know, it, it, it's already been agreed. Um, you know, but but certainly, I mean, you, you see, you can't find any link between, you know, them and, and, and a particular com- uh, company. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist, of course. And you, you just don't know it. it, it, it I think I've made the point on here before about, you know, if if, if everybody laid bear you know who owns what at at the various premier league clubs or who is in control and where does the money come from i think you know i think would i think (laughs) i I think we'd all be quite surprised um you know there's i I certainly think that you know because i was our our takeover was scrutinized uh, you know to 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 the nth degree then you know uh, and and rightly so because of the saudis coming in i i I completely understand it but it has to be the same for everybody and it needs to be the same for this this potential link up this potential takeover um i just you know i i'd be very very surprised though if in let's say three years time that ratcliffe isn't the majority shareholder and and the glazers have gone and that is the dream scenario for manchester united supporters um, and, Rat- and Ratcliffe, Ratcliffe wouldn't be putting his time and effort and money into this if he didn't think that at some point, you know, he wasn't going to be, you know, the, the majority shareholder. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's a, a short-term, a short-term plan for a long-term gain. And I think, uh, you know, I think the Glazers will eventually leave, which, which is music to Manchester United fans. Yes, definitely. Lads, do you think that 2024? Obviously, we're coming close to 2023. Where we've seen the likes of Everton being deducted 10 points. Man City's obviously pushed their investigation back to next year. You think next year we'll see a blow up, if you will, of financial fair play? That it'll all come to a head next year? Or do you think it's just going to be something that we're still going to have to work on over the next few years? Because for me, I think there's more to play on Everton, from what I hear. Man City next year are obviously going to have to come forth and answer their 115 charges, whatever it is. We've got now we're talking about Man United and their takeover. Uh, you know, there's there's teams in the championship. We think of West Brom who have just borrowed again. Uh, it's for me. I, I feel like it's got to come to a head. Do you think that could be next year? Potentially, yeah. Um, I, I, I just I just worry, right? That you know, they'll go for Everton in the Premier League because they, they are. Don't take offence at this, Everton fans. I know there's probably a few of you listening. They're one of the smaller clubs in the Premier League, right? They're not a Man United, they're not a Man City, they're not a Chelsea, they're not a Liverpool, etc., etc. It's easier to go after them. And it's yeah. easier to deduct the 10 points. 
and then it, it almost it gives the impression that the people who appear to do their job are indeed doing their job, right? It's it, it's it's a facade for me. I I don't think they've got the bottle to actually see it through with the Manchester City and with the Chelsea to go. Do you know what? All 115 charges. You're absolutely guilty of sin. Get down into the fourth division. No, no, they haven't got the ball for that. And unfortunately, you know, it, it's it's almost at a stage where you know you lose Man City at the Premier League, you lose Pep, you lose all those star players, all that kind of thing, and all of a sudden that weakens the Premier League's proposition on the world stage as as the best league in the world. And it, it's kind mm. of like. I, I honestly don't think it's for that reason and for that reason alone I just don't think they've got the bottle to see it through I'll be, I'll be, I'd love it if they did and actually went after everybody who's broke the rules that'd be brilliant of course it would be we're one yeah. fairness in football but I don't yeah. think they've got the I don't think they've got the minerals for it mate mm. What happened next year Steve? Um, I mean financial fair play I think it's you know it, it seems to be it seems to be coming to an end. I mean, if, the, if there's one club that's tested the boundaries, it's it's not Man City, it's Chelsea. I mean, you know, they've spent over a billion pounds in transfers <laughs> over the last couple of years. And, you know, you know, surely they're going to be facing some kind of sanctions or some kind of points deduction. But a lot depends on what happens with, with the punishments handed out to, to, to the clubs which are currently under scrutiny. Um, you know, that includes Manchester City, that includes Chelsea. Um, you know, we've seen what they've done with Everton, so what are they going to do with those two clubs? Financial fair play and whether it's going to continue really hangs on, on, on those two decisions. And as we know, you know, Manchester City have the best lawyers on the case and they're kicking the can down the road. So when is it going to happen? It's probably not going to happen next year. It's probably not going to happen the year after that. And then we'll have the, you know, we, we, we still have the impending Super League hanging over us as well. And and what you know what what you know what you know what effect does that have on financial fair play and and, and where we we'll go? So lots of things to consider, lots of things to lots of things to look at as we you know as we, as we say goodbye to twenty three and move into twenty four. But I don't think it'll be the end of financial fair play next year. No. Quick couple of comments coming from Daniil. Um, he said Man City will continue delaying any potential legal action. The Premier League will bottle it. I agree. And also, um, I hope you all have a great Christmas, lads. Thank you for that one, Daniil. Yes, the fee by Ratcliffe. Uh, some of this will clearly go towards clearing the debt that Man United currently have. Uh, what is it? F he's just added FFP is financial farce play, not fair. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, no, we agree. we agree. And he's here. Yeah. He's here. Good morning, gents. Wait, he's coming. Oh, oh, he's finally, finally reserved. <laughs> How are well, we all doing? Are we Merry all right? Christmas, Daz. Yeah, Merry did Christmas. You wear, all the better did you for open, you Did you open Chrome as well as open presents <laughs> the, uh, over Christmas? Uh, lovely time, thank you, Steve. Yeah, I love it. Very good. Uh, it's been full of uh, family time, which has been really, really nice. Oh, I love it. Um, Glad to hear it, mate. Nice. And it's, it's great to hear you guys back on the radio as well, uh, especially with yeah. Ted, Ted's last show. Uh, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Stop saying that. Like, I'm literally getting messages already going, are you leaving? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's not leaving. <laughs> yes. Wait, 
ultimately to go to your station as Daz would once say. Brilliant. Great to be back. I don't want to. <laughs> What's on the show for you today, Des? Uh, well, we're, it's as we're sort of getting towards the year, uh, we're going to have a look back at some of the uh, the best name that theme. So we're going to have a best of name that theme this morning. Ah, um, and Sam. We've got uh, it might be in there. Uh, we've got a chat degree this morning, which is all about uh, having too much food and drink, as we have done over the last few days. I've eaten three out of the Quality yep. Street box, by the way, while I've been here. Nice one. Well yeah. Confession. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so so we'll we'll chat about that, and then we've uh, we've got some fabulous music coming up as well. Producer Dan is going to be here. Uh, it's all the usual nonsense. Woo! Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. You know, well, on the, the subject of and Sam, though. Yeah. Yeah. On the subject of Five and Sam, you know, there's actually like a theory going around on the internet that secretly he's actually an arsonist. It's almost like the, it's it's like the plot from Backdraft. How it's serious. There's, there's actual there's How? actual like dark theories going around that fire and sounds like an absolute cycle. How dare you use your last show to just put words of Stop disdain on the greatest fireman who ever ever lived? Hey, I mean, it's not me. I it's the internet. Dare you. It's the internet, mate. He's a hero. He's a hero in my eyes. Yeah. Don't you be bringing any naughty fairy tales over to Fireman Sam, mate, because Fireman no. Sam is one of the greatest kids. Thomas Rodriguez told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's always on the scene and his engine's bright and clean. You know, just yes, leave Fireman so Sam alone. He's never been near exactly. a fire. <laughs> Teesside Tintin is better than Fireman. Oh, fantastic! Yes, oh, yes. here we go. Here All right, on go. that note, That's I think the we're, North we're done and dusted. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we are. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about football tomorrow. Uh, Borough playing Huddersfield. Sunderland uh, have a game as well. Newcastle back as well can they get their season back on track uh we'll see we'll talk about it all tomorrow morning without see you tomorrow guys well. see you boys have a good one. boys see you in the morning from yarm to yibby harrington to horsley hill swarwell to silverlink the northeast footy breakfast with roy steve and ted right across the north